Hey there, folks. Welcome back once again. It's episode 84 of the Uticast, and this week we are talking to city reporter from the Observer Dispatch, Alexander Gerald, as the OD celebrates their 200-year anniversary. Uh, plus, we're talking about the immigration ban, we're having a little bit of history lessons, we're talking about Oreo-flavored beer, and we're talking about the dystopian future and the glory of school books. All that and more on this week's episode of the Uticast. We're happy to have you. hear the stuff you say right before you hit that little space bar. Ah, well, it doesn't it takes the human element out of it if they don't hear my struggles. Uh, welcome back to the show, folks. Again, episode 84. 84 episodes. Kevin Sullivan back again. Back Eric again, me. as always. How you doing, big guy? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing great. It's Monday. It's a pretty good Monday. It was all, It's cold. It was really cold out there. I got yeah. tricked because it was so sunny. I went out mm-hmm. this morning. It was very, very sunny. I thought it was going to be nice, and it was not nice. Yes, samesies. That happened to me this morning. Uh, I wore, like... Did you just say samesies? I do say samesies sometimes. you got to stop working at that middle school. Samesies and funsies. I say a lot of both <laughs> of those. Um, I'll say this, though. Uh, I fell off that trap as well this morning because I wore, I had to go uh, do something relatively formal at work today. Right. So I wore my... Let's call it my dressier coat. It's not really dressier, but it looks <laughs> a little classier with the outfit. Uh... But it's not really warm at all, and I, I fell for that trap. I was like, oh, it's so nice out this morning. And then I got in the car. I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Uh, but cheers. It's good to see you again. And what's become my, you know, I don't, I've talked in the show about how I don't drink very often, and I don't. But this is two podcasts in a row I've had uh, a glass of Jameson to start the show. It's always, you know, it's nice. We record right around that, like, time of the day when work is over, you know, in that 5, 6, into 7 o'clock hour. It's not bad to have one just to set the tone. Uh, to be fair, though, and uh, if I can be a bit uh, behind the curtain here, something happened to me today that has not happened in uh, in months, probably five or six months. I had a straight-up panic attack today. Oh, yeah? Yeah, straight-up panic attack. This that morning. sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is not. That sounds like fun. It was not, for sure. Here, wait, hang on a second. Mm. Mm-hmm. There you go. That sweet, sweet sunshine in the uh, glass, chasing ooh. away your panic demons. Wait, you had it this morning before you left for work? I had it at work. Oh, interesting. Were you like in, were you in a disarray this morning before you left for work? Yes. I found a trail today. I could tell that you were in a disarray. I was looking around. I'm like, <laughs> I bet he woke up late. <laughs> you just I see like, up late. a cabinet left open, like different stuff. You could tell somebody's flying through the house. I just, uh, no, actually, you know what? That's a, it's an interesting observation because one of the things I've noticed, and again, I, I took, I went to therapy when I was younger, so I've, I've gauged, I've learned a lot about self-analysis. Right. I'm very self-aware about my emotions and my feelings and why I'm feeling away, and I question a lot of times. You know, it's always good to question why you're feeling some way. I'm angry. Okay, why are you angry? Can you put into words why you're angry? Can you contextualize what's giving you anger, stress, and anger? Right. right? So, um, what I've noticed is a little detail. A lot of my fine detail work, a lot of the like the 
dotting the I's and crossing the T's parts of my life have taken a hit in the last few weeks. I'm talking about little things like uh, do yoga when I get back from work, mm-hmm. making my bed in the morning before I leave, mm-hmm. uh, like making coffee before I leave in the morning as opposed to grabbing some on the way out, right? All these little tiny things that don't seem like much, mm-hmm. but they're all symptoms of a greater uh, of a greater problem, which is I am feeling a lot of... I wouldn't call it depression, because I've talked about my depression battles in the show before, but... right. It's a feeling of, um, I feel like I'm in, I think I'm wading in a, in a lake, right? Like, I feel like I'm just treading water a lake, and I don't really know what direction I should swim in to get out of the lake. Right. So until I figure out what direction I need to go to swim out of the lake, I'm just sort of sitting here in the middle, treading water and trying not to drown, right? Like, and, I, and when I say this, I don't mean this, again, from a depressive way. I actually mean this primarily in a finances way, because that's really been the uh, fucking yeah. crux of my problems here. I feel like there's, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's almost, that's a little taboo to talk about all the time, but, like, when you get into personal one-on-one conversations with a lot of people, it's interesting how many people in our generation, our age range, are in that lake where, like, mm-hmm. they're looking at their finances, like, well, my bills are kind of paid, mostly, for the most part, this month, and they're looking pretty good, but there's no real clear path to like keep growing that or to keep like making any moves you're just sort of treading water month by month and i think a lot of it builds up with the negativity that's out there in the world today too it all sort of flows together like my financial situation is kind of negative i'll give you a good example uh gfop made in utica's kate riley uh one of my all-time favorite people on the planet great human mm-hmm. being for the last month katie if you're listening to this this is the reason i haven't gotten in touch with you <laughs> we've been sort of casually being like Hey, happy birthday. It was her birthday. It was in December. Mine was in January. We right, texted right. back and forth. Uh, last couple of weeks, we've been like, I haven't seen much of you, blah, blah, blah. And every time, she always says, we should go get a drink sometime. So we get a drink this weekend. I said, yes, let's get a drink this weekend. Just have a couple drinks, talk about life, whatever. We haven't seen each other a really long time. There's a lot of business and personal stuff we could probably get into we haven't discussed, right? Sure. Every time that I feel like we, I should ask her to go get drinks and so we can go do this, I panic because at this point in time, $40 at the bar of my disposable income is too much for me to just give away to, to, to a bar and for the sake of having conversation. You know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that sounds like that grad school lifestyle, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the panic attack really came from that fact this morning. I had to go deposit money in my account today. And for anyone who's ever had this happen to them, uh, this is a, the worst feeling. Like, you deposit money into the account. And let's say you have to have a certain amount of money in there to pay the bills, right? You know how much money needs to be in there. So you deposit that money, and then you get your receipt back to know how much is in there, and you still don't have enough to pay the bills that you already know you have to pay. Like, you don't have enough to cover the bare minimum you've set for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then there's just this moment of, like, what, what's happened? Like, how did, it, how did it get this way? Right. Do you know what I mean? And now i got to scramble. So now I'm spending, like, an hour trying to find ways to, like, all right, how can I... How can I avoid this problem or at least postpone this problem until it becomes something I can handle, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm spending like an hour at work thinking about this all morning, and I'm not doing any work. Right. right? I'm sitting at work doing nothing. Can't focus on work because all you're thinking about is these issues. Right. And and now this is when the panic attack starts to set in, right? Now you start getting overwhelmed, and you start having that feeling like, I not only am I like not able to to make it work with what I have, right, from a finance point, I don't know if I, my job itself that I make the finances from is suffering because of my lack of finances. Right. Right. It's going to be like a vicious cycle. Yeah. And 
you know, so then I sit there and I'm and I'm trying to get some of the show prepped, you know, as I'm getting out of work and I'm trying to find something to put the show together with and you're reading all this news and all this politics and all this shit going on in the world and everyone's angry about Trump right now, which we're going to get into at some point in time today, I guess, but I, I have stuff to talk about about that, but I feel like it's just going to make me more depressed, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, and it's, it really <laughs> As somebody reads the news every day, yeah, it probably is. Um, it's... I, you know, it, it doesn't help. I think certainly, like, you lean into it. Like, every, everything seems to be very doom and gloom right now. Mm-hmm. And it's been cold and we haven't had much sunlight now. So, like, we're getting into, like, that whole seasonal, like, everything really grinds after Christmas. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about all the money spent on Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, getting put behind on it. Um, I've never had as much of a, I've never really had, like, I've never had a panic attack. I've never, I mean, anxiety gets to me sometimes, but I don't think more than anybody else. Whether I've found good coping mechanisms or I'm just better at stuffing it down, you know, remains to be seen. I'm not even sure the answer on that. What, like, it's really to tell you. If you did, you know what I mean? Like, you'd have the answer. Everyone's it's one of those things where you're like, this This seems too fine. I feel like I'm too okay with everything. I feel like I'm too even keel, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like, I must be missing something. I have this impression of being even keeled from people, though. And you, you do, too. People always assume that, that Kevin Sullivan, people who know you're the even keeled guy. And to, a, to be. And to a certain extent... I think people do feel that way about me, but I don't feel that way about myself, right? I, pre- I try to present an image of, like, calmness and rationality at most times in most conversations with people. Mm-hmm. That, like, belies the fact that I sat in my car for five minutes today before I had to go into work just sitting there staring at the nothingness for, like, five minutes trying to, like, pull up the, like, the the inner part of me, like, the something that makes me get up and do the things I need to do. Right, right. right. And it's it's just a lot. And it's just a lot. I mean, my, you know, here's, here's I mean, if I'm the even keel guy, I think something that I always try to do, something that I do consciously that helps me whenever I start, because I was saying, it's not something I've ever really struggled with yeah. in that level, but it crops up like anybody else. And what my thought process normally is, is I really, I'd sort of sit down and you know, kind of talk to myself. Not really meditate, but like I'm just sitting there and I'm like, okay, all this stuff is horrible, and it's coming down the pipe, and it's going to be a tough time coming down the road. But right now, like for the rest of the day or, you know, for the rest of the night or until tomorrow, until the end of the week, however long you can get yourself, right now, everything's okay and you're fine. Right, right. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, but, like, it's it's the idea of really sort of being able to latch onto that and really looking at it from that perspective and trying to shift your perspective like that where you're like, okay... I'm kind of freaking out right now, but, you know, all these problems I have, nothing can be done or will be changed tonight. So for tonight, right. I'm just going to calm down and try to get myself in a better state so I can jump at it tomorrow. Then my headspace goes to, though, is, well, what can I do tonight that Usually can nothing. start moving plans forward tomorrow? Usually nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It usually is nothing. Well, that's when, the, when it comes I mean? to a larger problem like that, you can't really... I mean, you can make the small steps day by day, and that is the trick, but, like, there's no big move you can make in an evening to fix one of these, you know, larger-scale things that you're working mm-hmm. on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's a lot. And you know what? <laughs> and here's and here's the, the part that, that really ties everything in together, right? Um, I was talking to my, my mom today. And she sort of said to me, she's like, well, she's like, you want to come over for dinner tonight? And I said, nah, I can't. I got, I got the podcast tonight. And she's like, well, maybe you should stop doing the podcast. Like, if it stresses you out, you should stop doing the podcast if it's bringing you, like, undue concern. And I thought about it for a second, and I was like, it, it doesn't really, though. Like, it, 
it is stressful to do the podcast to a certain extent, but this doesn't. This is one of the few things that doesn't really add any monetary constraints to my life, Certainly. and it also doesn't add any real like emotional constraints to my. Do life. you want to know my armchair psychology take mm. on this whole situation with the podcast and that? Um, the podcast is good for you because you get yourself a little worked up every Monday. You're a little worked up about writing mm. the show, getting it going, and. It's not real stress. It's just like, you know, like light just sort of worrying and working through the process. Mm. But then every week it just sort of works itself out and it gets done. And I think that it's good for you to have something to focus on that you can actually apply solutions to because it makes it feel like all is not lost. So I think it's actually a good thing in that sense. Yeah, and I think you're probably right. And that's probably also the reason that I spend, that I'm so protective about the show itself and that I'm usually unwilling to mm -hmm. let other people touch it in any True. particular way. True. You know what I mean? And I guess it's not even that I'm unwilling. It's that I've worked myself into a nice little system. And I'm kind of a routines guy. I like routines. Yes, like a lot do. of people, a lot of people don't like routine. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of routine. I like playing stuff out. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I don't really, I mean, I usually have Mondays off. I could sit down with a piece of paper and sketch up. I've been doing, you know, the show 84 episodes with you. I could sketch out a basic idea for an episode, but it's it works really well for you, and you enjoy doing it very much. You yeah, know what I mean? And so it just, it, you know, for the most... <laughs> some weeks more than others. Some weeks more than others. Some weeks more than others. Uh, no, well, then, but that's, you know, that's a problem with just content, right? Then you start getting in a... Sometimes my concerns about the podcast are just, I look at all the news and all my sources where I go to get stories for the show and what we're going to talk about, and some weeks are just better than others, man. Like, this was yeah. a tough week, and, and we're going to have to, sadly, because we've gone so long in this segment, we're probably going to have to get into the politics in the second segment. Uh, and I was hoping we'd just wrap it up in this first segment, but we've already gone pretty long talking about life. Right. Um, you know, it's tough when you are looking for news. And I actively, and for the listeners out there who, who care to hear about this, I actively go out of my way when I'm writing a show to try and find major news stories or interesting news stories that aren't related to, like, politics and Trump and the SAG Awards or whatever like the big thing that's going on. But sadly, a lot of times when I go to my sites, this is what people are talking about. Do you think that's an issue with your sources? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. But I, I go to enough different sources where I feel like I shouldn't be running into the same stories over and over and over and over Is it again. the illusion of choice, though? Like, if you go, say you go to Vice and you go to Vox looking for stories, you've pretty much canceled yourself out right there. Right. But if I go to Vice and Vox and Reddit and Deadspin and Gawker, or well, not Gawker anymore, but, and then the like all the local news sources differently and we're all sort of talking about trump and politics and refugees and the world at large and that's what everyone's goddamn talking about you know it's it's hard for me to try and find because because how do i win right i could go to reddit and i could go to r slash uplifting news and just do uplifting news stories like relatively positive news stories but then it's like well are you actually talking about anything then no i guess you're not really Oh, I could do the show totally on politics. We just sit here and bitch about Trump for for like forty five minutes a week, and we have enough to talk about certainly. But at what point in time are we just beating a dead horse? Well, what's the what becomes the tie to having it be a news based show where it's like these are this week's stories, almost in that like Daily Show type style? That's fair. I suppose. Did we always do the show that way? Because eighty four episodes in, it's hard to say at this point. I don't know anymore. The news, it's crazy. It gets, they blur together week to week. Well, you know what it is, too? Here's the other part, and this is my concern I have with the show. For any listeners who've noticed me do this in the past, my big concern is not rehashing stuff we've already talked about. Right. So if we've had a long-term existential conversation on this show about depression before, do we need to have another like long-term? Probably not, right? 
Although depression is a subject that comes up again and again in people's lives, so maybe it makes sense to talk about it more than once. Yeah. But I feel like there's there's certain things that are, are worthy of recurring, both like heavy topics like that and you know, lighter things that are followed. But you know what it was too? We used to all those news stories used to come in fast and furious when Aaron Higgins was on the show and they were the wackiest headlines ever that almost sounded like fake headlines. They were so crazy. <laughs> Alternative facts, yeah. <laughs> That's what you got to do is just go um, find the, we get like the tabloid, you know, those newspapers by the checkout where it's like, you know, Bat Boy born in a cave in Guadalajara. Yes, the Bat Boy. We're going to start talking about Bat Boy and things like that. <laughs> Sasquatch went over really well. Maybe we got to switch this over yeah. to like well, I got cryptozoology. Some, I got some more like theoretical stuff because, um, you know, the, I will say this, and I hate to put out, I hate to put over other shows on our show, but uh, for any of you people who are out there like me, I assume if you are like me, you know who you are, and if you're not, you don't listen to the show. Uh, you're probably sick of us already. Uh, I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast today with uh, Shane Smith, who is the CEO, co-founder of Vice News. Mm-hmm. One of the best podcasts I've listened to in, like, years it was awesome yeah it was, really, it was you know i heard a bunch of that at work at, we've gotten into the habit um up in my office of having a podcast playing in the morning like when everybody's just like getting the coffee going through their emails getting set for the day stuff like that and i was listening to a bunch of that it was a great interview yeah and great interview and look you know if if you are concerned about where we are in the world and we're going to get into politics in the next section our news slash politics section so we'll talk about it in a second but if you're concerned about feeling like the world is getting away from you, like the things you cared about are being marginalized, go listen to this Shane Smith and Joe Rogan podcast because I think it will make you feel better that there are people out there in the world who feel the same way you do too if you're anything like me, right? There's yeah, I will actually, I will give that, I will uh, double endorse that. Yeah. As having listened to it, I'll say yeah. that's, that'd be a good look. If you if you enjoy interesting people having interesting conversations about interesting things and you've yeah. got some time to kill anyway because we all do, Go take a look. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Um, all right, that's now. I expect, who do you think is going to send us a check for that beautiful advertisement we just cut? Do we think we're getting a check from Vice, or is Joe Rogan sending the check directly? Joe, if Joe Rogan just wants to call me, I could, if, honestly, that would get me out of my panic. If I, I'm stressed out right now. If I could have a 25-minute phone conversation with Joe Rogan, I feel, I'd feel better about my life afterwards, I bet. Well, I know what he'd tell you to do. Maybe that would help as well. Well, um, Isn't it funny how Joe Rogan's gotten to that place where, like, the podcast and the beat, like, he used to just be, like, sort of a... Uh, he was just, like, macho caricature dude on yeah, like, Fear Factor and UFC and <laughs> yeah. just making, like, weird jokes and doing, like, bro-y stand-up. And now, like, he's got this show and, like... It just seems like he like took one of those pills that made him 100 times smarter at some point over the last X amount of years. Guys like Joe Rogan and Mark Maron and Bill Simmons and uh, a lot of the guys whose podcasts I've listened to over the years, Men and Blazers, uh, who have really got me excited for the art of podcasting and the forum that it allows. The art of podcasting. <laughs> uh, no, there's something to it. It's I know, different. I know. Um, a, lot of these, a lot of these things... This show exists, I've said many times, because of those shows. Uh, but the fact that these forums exist for people, because podcasts are where I feel like I get most of the content that really makes me think and get philosophical about the world. And I, I'm sure, I hope somebody in the history of the Uticast feels a little more philosophical because of what we talked about in this show. Probably not. But who knows? Uh, so, yeah, man, just there's a lot of good stuff out there if you need to find it. And it's not that hard to look anymore. They've made it pretty easy to find the things that will make you feel better. So, all right. We have now officially... Oh, we got 20 minutes almost on this. This is now the longest... Yeah, so this was like an experiment, though, because you were like, I'm not writing anything down. I'm just going to go off the cuff, see how this segment goes. So we've made it to the end. What do you think? How did it go? 
I needed it, certainly. Good. Uh, from Good. a personal level, I probably needed to get it out a little bit so I could get on with the rest of the show, so we could go to what we normally do in the show, which is talk about the problems of the world as opposed to my personal problems. Uh, well, we talk about my personal problems a <laughs> lot on this show. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> All right, uh, so we'll be back in just a minute. Marl will be here, and we'll get into some segments. Maybe Marl will give you a hug. Maybe. In my, when I was talking about the details, how I'm not like doing all the details like I normally do. Yeah, I didn't turn the good mic on, so that first segment's gonna have the crummy mics on it. Oh See? man, yeah, it's I know. Apart. It's all, all falling apart. So now, now we're back though, and Mara's here. Hi, case of the Mondays. Yeah, I was stressing out, Mara. I was stressed out earlier. How have you been? Tell me something good that happened to you this week that'll make me feel better. Um, I had good McDonald's. <laughs> so a tough week for the kid. <laughs> well, no, you know what? She actually, she, there is such a thing as good McDonald's there because is. sometimes you go to McDonald's and it's like the the last batch of hamburgers that yeah. was in there, and it's not very good. You know, it's good because I usually don't like admitting that I had it, so <laughs> it must have been pretty good. <laughs> um, I think the best McDonald's for me, the best time to get McDonald's. I don't really see these days anymore, but back in the day before they served breakfast all the way around the clock. Uh, sometimes, especially when you're younger and you know your younger twenties, later teens, the night has a habit of getting away from you. Oh yeah. And when the night goes so long that you make it past that four a.m. cutoff where they start serving breakfast again, and then on your way home you can get somebody to stop at McDonald's and you can get like McDonald's breakfast before you crash into bed at like five a.m. Oh, that's well, the best time. That used to be the best McDonald's when we were young, ravenous uh, kids in the nineties and early two thousands. There wasn't as many places to get food late at night. Yeah. But there was true. the Pizza Pad on Genesee Street, which was like the, oh, man, the late the night pad. stop. That was one of the late, the only places it was open at like one in the morning if you wanted to get a slice. And they I stayed open. That one. Oh yeah. No, that was probably that was probably right before. Yeah, your they time. burned down. I think they burned down. They were where uh, the Balkan and Hadley are now. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh so like I said, we we should we gotta talk about like uh, immigration stuff. And I'm not really pleased about it. All right, Dad, hit me with it. Just roll out then. <laughs> okay. Well, son, so, I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to do it. So a couple a couple things. Um, every news outlet that I've looked at for the last, like, three days, week, whatever. Okay, first off, the big story is, how about that first week in office for Trump? People see... <laughs> yeah, got quite a lot, got quite a lot moving, didn't he? Uh, I'm really trying to meet some people in the middle, and nobody seems to be interested in doing that. No, no. no. Uh, so, besides all the um, the denial of climate change and uh, and passing that Dakota Pipeline thing just right back at him, just throwing oh, it right back. All that other great stuff. And all that other yeah. great stuff. Um, the big talking point, obviously, is the immigration ban or the Muslim ban, whatever you're calling it, um, that's been overrunning every news source I've went to for the last week. Uh, I'm only going to go with the one source that matters to me, though, is my former podcast friend Dano on Twitter, at Famo and Wookie, tweeting at me saying, 
uh, Famo of Famo and the Wookie is of Syrian descent, and we support him and his family. There Hashtag Muslim ban. There you go. <laughs> so that's all that matters. So I retweeted that, just kind of thinking it was funny, right? Because I, like, right. I, I was like, "Good for you, Dano!" Like calling me out because what do I know about? I'm like one of those people. Like you couldn't don't put me in Syria. I'm Syrian, but don't uh, don't put me don't there. Send me don't send me there. there. <laughs> I can't speak the language. I don't know what's going on. Like I don't. You know what I mean? But. Um, I thought it was funny, but it was surprising how many likes that got, because I think people were taking it as earnest and not Dano being Dano. But, like, it's crazy that this is, like, such a talking point all over. And, you know, what concerns me, I think, is that Utica has this reputation, right, for being this, like, city Mm -hmm. that's so refugee-friendly. Yeah. right. We have a ton of refugees from, you know, countries that are affected right now. Not even just, like, the traditional, oh, we used to have Italians, Mm -hmm. refugees. Like... Yeah, we did used to have Italians, still got a few of those kicking around. Floating around here. We've still got, like, every time there's a refugee crisis or any sort of humanitarian thing like that, we end up with a representative subset of that population. Mm-hmm. You know, be it um, Myanmar, formerly Burma, yeah. or Somalians, or, you know, Bosnians and people from other Balkan nations back in the 90s. We mm-hmm. always are a landing point for those people. So, in a weird way, for such a, like, an upstate sort of conservative, like, semi-redneckish area, especially once you get past that bridge in North Utica, or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's weird because we have this huge population, and it's something that people in Utica have to pay attention to a lot more than people in other comparable towns and cities in comparable parts of the country. Mm. And, no, it's it's definitely, it definitely concerns me, too, because, uh, I, I, you know, I'm on that ground level where I'm talking to a lot of these kids in schools, middle schools and high schools, and, you know, a lot of these kids' parents are, like, directly affected. They have lots of questions and concerns, and, again, I don't really know how to address them for them. You know what I mean? Like, just... Yeah, you see, you must be, you're on the front lines. How do you explain to the 12 and 13-year-olds that you work with who are from these countries? I'm really glad you brought that up. No, it's true, and I'll tell you, for, for what I try and do is I try and... I try and present to every kid that every individual makes up their own mind, right? Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, if if you see people, there are going to be people who are going to be supportive and there are people who are not. But, you know, you have to make strong decisions about, like, your life. Like, you know, you, your family, here's the thing. Like, I got a lot of these kids who were, like, their parents are Burmese, or from, you know, they're Burmese and they, they don't speak English. And they're the link between their parents and the rest of the community, right? It's a yeah. lot of pressure on these kids. Yeah. And... And a lot of these parents don't really understand what to do either because they don't—they're fresh to this country. They don't, you know. I can't tell you there's, how many of these kids have. There's a lot of stuff. Up. Well, there's a lot of stuff that you can read that talks about, you know, specifically Utica area immigrants. And there's centers around here who work primarily on that as people coming mm-hmm. to this country and just not knowing, you know, they don't have that prerequisite knowledge or that older generation teaching them how to like function in society. Stuff like you know figuring out how to drive, getting all the papers you need to, like, work and, like, things like to set up a bank account and things like to make a doctor's appointment to do this, that, and the other thing. Even stuff as small as, like, you know, getting your blue bags for trash pickup, that's all new. And so you drop somebody in and, you know, they don't know the language at all and it's easy, you know, there's a lot of people... I don't want to get into the if you live here, you should speak the language because I'll start getting mad. But, like, these, right. there's... Yeah. Well, that's why there's a huge, huge market for uh, translator services here in Utica. A lot of these kids, I have to ask them in these, when I vet them for these, like, interviews I have to do, it's like, you know, what are the languages do you speak in the home? And they're like, oh, most of them say, oh, you know, Korean and, and English, or Burmese and English, or whatever, Spanish and English, whatever. Um, you know, a lot, but, well, I lost my train of thought. I had a point I was going to make. That's uh, okay. What were we talking about? I lost my train of thought. It's a big issue. You were talking about how a lot of these kids, they list what their language is and how they Oh, no, right, right, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I lose my train. Yeah, the point I'm getting at is, like, they, I'll ask them, like, do you speak these other languages? Are you fluent in these other languages? And they was like, 
Yeah. And I'm like, you shouldn't be embarrassed by that. That's yeah. amazing that you're you this. You should be proud of the fact. They're not embarrassed, but they feel like they should be concerned about learning English. I'm like, the fact that you can speak both languages so well is mm-hmm. is a testament to you, and like, it's going to benefit you in the future. This is good. Like, I. There was a take from this uh, this interview that I listened to where I talked about the Vice uh, Sam, uh, Shane Smith from Vice, and what's really important, I think, for people like me, at least, and maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't. It's important to to want to be on the right side of history, right? Like, I, I I want to feel like I want I'm on the side that's being supportive, and and working toward not a global economy, but like a universal economy. I'd, I'd like us to at some point in time start thinking of ourselves as a species on a planet and not people in a nation or a country, right? And it doesn't seem like we're moving in that direction. I don't but, know how you could feel like you're on the right side with being okay with what's going on right now. Yeah, exactly, right? I just, That's I can't a, find yeah. any bit of it where you would feel like that. I'm just totally confused. There, I don't I don't agree with any of these people, but the, the issue that people bring up is like, you know, we're bringing all these other people to this country when we've got people here in this country that need help and we're spending money on these people who aren't from here. Now, what a lot of that is, is that's sort of the story that has been marketed to these people, I mm. think, in a lot of ways. Because when you look at what we, where the expenditures really go, you know mm. what I mean? That would be like doing your your monthly budget, you know what I mean? You're figuring out like your budget for your household or whatever, and you're sitting there being like, well, you know, we pay a dollar every month for this one thing, and you know, this is a huge expense. And it's like, well, actually, look at the 500 we spend a month on the heat, or whatever mm. it might be like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they've got people focused on this thing because it's... It's easy to point the finger mm-hmm. at something different. Human history has always showed us that it's always easier for people to cope with their situations by having some place to scapegoat and point the finger. And, you know, refugees and immigrants become an easy thing in times like this where everybody has a lot of uncertainty about where we're going. And it's just an easy thing to get people whipped up and rallied behind. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a tale as old as time. Literally, open a history book almost any page. Yeah. I go back and forth. Instead of thinking about it as the left and the right because I'm getting very tired of thinking about left and right. Agreed. Right? Uh, I'm starting to think about like futurists and and people who are not what's the opposite of a futurist? Like a I don't know what the word is I'm looking for but like there are two types of people it seems like in the world. People who feel like we've gone too far and we need to go back or people who feel like we started going somewhere and we need to just go where we're going. Mm-hmm. Right? And that seems to be the real divide, at least for me. Well, I feel like once, you know, it's it's just like Pandora's box. Once you've opened, there's no going back. Yeah. Like, we're not going to, you know, people talk about, they're angry about, you know, globalization, different things like that. We're not going to de-globalize. We're not going to take steps back in interconnectivity. It's a, it's a world economy, whether we like it or not now. And if you really get reading into some of these people, you know, leading minds in futurology and things like that, if we're going to take that next step as a species civilization society consciousness whatever you want to call it that will involve everybody getting together and seeing themselves as all part of a whole instead of different you know warring tribes i think tribalism is a huge deterrent to some of the leaps we can be making as a society with the intermarrying of you know technology and the direction the world could be heading in well, yeah, that's what I think is really important, the fact that you brought up the kids, too, is that that's going to be a big way that we're going to be taking a step backwards mm-hmm. because this is how they're being raised right now, mm-hmm. yeah. regardless of what side that you're on. And they're hearing things in their homes that mm-hmm. people haven't heard for, like, 40 years now. Mm-hmm. Kids are connected. Yeah. Kids know what's going on in the news and TV and on the Internet, and yeah. people are saying they're more 
connected now than they've ever been. It's yeah. scary time to be a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everything is going backwards. And these kids are at the age right now where everything they're picking up so strongly. You know what I mean? And it, it just it breaks my heart because I feel like we haven't talked about the kids enough in this situation. Well, it's funny. I, I agree. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's all. crazy because the people who are raising their kids like this think they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how do you combat that? Because these because people, you, you know, people people it. have the right to raise the yeah. kids however they want to, theoretically. But, like, you know, you've got these people who are raising their children mm. to be this way, and they think that they're doing their children a favor, and they're going to save the world with their bullshit. Yeah. That's what these people truly believe. And as a person on the education side of that, we are limited in the amount of conversation we can have, honestly, with kids, because at the end of the day, if some kid goes back to their parents and yeah. tells them that I said that Donald Trump is bad for this country and he's going to ruin the American way of life and they don't agree with it, I'm going to hear about it. You know what I mean? And like, quite and, possibly and, lose your job. And quite depending. possibly lose Well, you're job. lucky because you work in the Utica school system where you know people right. aren't just scared of brown folks by mm-hmm. default. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you switch That's that fair. out and you worked at you know even RFA or like God forbid you get out into one of these you know more slightly more rural jurisdictions, right. I guarantee if you worked with kids in the same age group and talked to them about the same issues... But you worked at like Holland Patton or Dollsville, you'd be putting your head through a wall every day. I mm. cannot imagine being in Holland Patton right now. Because oh, yeah. it was I, already tough for me when I was there before. I cannot imagine the things that they would have to say right now. It, it's you know, it's funny. I have um there there's a friend, somebody that we know who's got um a younger sibling in Holland Patton, goes to Holland Patton schools. Mm-hmm. Um and the older siblings are all relatively like liberal, sort of artsy people who've been out there in the world. And this kid is a very impressionable, like, middle school type age. And I've seen them, like, post pictures and talking about it and saying stuff like, you know, the kid's got a Trump sticker on his snowmobile. And, like, these kids get behind it and they get into it. And, you know, I'm sure he's not in the minority out there. And it's it's crazy because that's really what it is because it becomes an easy thing to just rally behind. And when there's so many jokes about it, so many memes about it, so many people talking about it, it's easy to, you know, cultivate this really extreme opinion that when yeah. you're, that's the way everything is when you're in middle school. And then it just sort of sticks with it. It's just like learning all these habits that I feel like you have to classify as wrong habits, like hating yeah. of others and things like that. People absolutely thought that when I told them about the things that happened when I was on Patton, and I'm not bashing Holland Patton at all, this is just the truth. So a lot of lovely people, lovely yeah, they, places, They really homes. are, but you want to know what the things that happened to me I didn't make up. You know True. what I mean? I didn't make them up. I had kids who had drawn Confederate flags on their on their mm-hmm. binders yeah. and shove them in my face. Like, mm-hmm. if 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 that's what was happening then, and there was no one to help me back then, I can't imagine what kids are going through right now and how alone that they feel in some place like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially be, it's interesting you say how alone they feel because I feel like a lot of times, at least it's been my anecdotal experience in places like that, and you can speak to it. Your experience going to Holland Patton. You are very alone because you're probably the only one, or maybe there's a couple you others. You couldn't even go to the teachers. The teachers would just laugh at me. They had nothing to do about it. They Same said there thing. was nothing they could do. How many kids How many kids besides you went to your school that weren't white? Uh, there was two other females that said that they didn't even identify as black. One, because they were, uh, they were embarrassed, and two, they were adopted. So they didn't even identify as it. Mm. So they were getting made fun of something that they didn't even identify as, which, mm. which breaks my heart that they were too scared to even identify themselves as black. Right. Mm. So and, and think about what type of like you know like issues and self loathing and shit that causes when yeah. you're forced to like be, look in the mirror, know who you are, and so like no, this isn't me. This isn't me. That's a horrible way to live your life. It's following them. It's following them till now. It's something that they still struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And it's horrible to put that burden on any child to have to grow and to look at themselves and be like at a fundamental level, mm. I'm not good, mm. and be raised and raised and put through in an environment where that's you know the norm and yeah. encouraged because those are still people. 
those are still people who are out there experiencing. You know what I mean? That might be what is put forth in the culture around you. So these people learn to feel devalued, and other people realize it's okay. Like, teachers don't stand up for it. Mm-hmm. And the problem is nobody's ever going to change it. Nope. Because you're not going to get a bunch of, you know... You're not going to get a bunch of like liberal, progressive, like diverse folks to just move out to these rural areas no. and start fixing the problem from the inside out. It's I mean, too isolated. For God's sakes, they would be half a step away from burning crosses in their lawn if they tried to do that. And it's just mm-hmm. so how do you really fix the problem? There's almost no way. Yeah. And that's what leads us to division because people look, they're like, well, screw it. There's no way to fix it. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to dig in and hate harder. And I don't really see how that road ends anywhere besides bad news. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. I tell, I tell the kids all the time, and this is the only thing I feel super comfortable telling the kids, is if they have questions about what's going on or they ask me questions, I say, look, just pay attention to what goes on because you guys are the people who are going to have a say in this in four years, eight years, whatever. Like, if you think that this is a problem, if you see what's going on in the world and, you, and you're unhappy about it, you're in a position where sooner rather than later you're going to have a say in what goes on. So it's important to be aware be of... Be ready to yeah, run out the gate be, when you're 18. Yeah, yeah, be, be ready, ready you know, because that's that's kind of what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's the best thing I tell kids. Look and listen and pay attention and absorb things and pay attention to the things that matter to you that's and good. the things that care, yeah. that you care about. Uh, so earlier today when I was uh, checking my stats on this, uh, there were 251 Republican Congress members who had either no position or a neutral position about the immigration ban at that point in time. 251 now, had no position on the Republican side? Or a neutral position. That's crazy. Yeah. No, they haven't said anything. Only 41 people had posed a position at that point in time. Why do you time. think that is? Uh, Truly? because they're Fear, right? No, they're doing that to see how it plays out for a couple days in the media so they can make the most advantageous position yeah, that they can get. Yeah, for sure. It's a, yeah. Uh, so at this this morning, when I had looked up this fact, uh, our local congresswoman, Claudia Zenny, had not made a statement yet. Uh, so my plan at the time was to just give you guys her phone number. So if you're angry about the fact that Utica, which is a, uh, a refugee-friendly city, has not really po- uh, posed a pro-refugee statement at this point in time, you could call and ask why. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a good idea, too. Uh, although I've heard a lot of rumors that she doesn't have a public number of <laughs> <laughs> of course she doesn't. <laughs> of course she. But I, when you came in and you told me that we that you wanted to really go in on Claudia Tenney today, I got confused and I looked at the calendar because I thought that it was my birthday. Because, I mean, look at. I gotta collect myself here. I'm gonna fly off the handle. Uh, yeah, Claudia Tenney is more or less the worst. Mm-hmm. I've got. I have some some personal insight and experiences that unfortunately I, I would not share on the show. Sure. Um, but just things that I've seen in people that I've known that makes me know mm-hmm. things that find her to be distasteful in the first place. But like when you come down to it and you look at the record, uh, the, the worst, the thing that drives me nuts about her is all she does is plays into like that Fox News style, like just call people names and like come after people mm-hmm. and like act wicked aggressive like mm-hmm. that, but not really have many solutions. No showing for a lot of votes, you know, she claims she's taking care of a dying family member. Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't, but missed a lot of votes. And just, like, campaigning on things that don't really apply to this area. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, I don't really care if my member of Congress from my district, if the first thing they talk about in campaign ads is crap like ISIS and Hillary Clinton, yeah, nah. that doesn't really affect me here. Like, I need somebody who's going to campaign for stuff that actually happens here, who knows the neighborhoods and doesn't look like they're just using this as, you know, a stepping stone for a thirst for larger power. Right. That's mm-hmm. disgusting. And, I mean, that's her in a nutshell doesn't surprise me she doesn't have a public phone number listed because she doesn't really seem to care about the people who aren't her specific people here in this area. Uh, she's since come out and made a position, said she has yes. one. 
guest yeah. of the podcast, actually. Uh, yeah, Alex, uh, Eric's Gerald. Alex Gerald, which is not how it's spelled. It threw me off really hard. He had to correct it. Alex Gerald, actually, when you were interviewing him, I was on the news looking up some stuff, and he had put out a thing about her position, and it was the same sort of echoing Trump stuff. It's like, you know, well, we have to try and get, you know, uh, we got to look and make sure that the country's safe and this and that, although, I mean, the country is wildly safe. Just wildly, wildly safe, and all these countries that aren't in the ban are countries Trump's got business deals in, but let's just sweep that under the rug. Mm-hmm. So she came out and she said this, but like, if you're going to represent the city of Utica, New York, which, let's be real, not to denigrate anybody else in the district, but Utica, New York is the bread and butter of the district, you yeah, know what I mean? Sure. Like the largest city, the people who sort of lead the charge, you can't sit here and ignore the plight of the immigrants and the refugees who are rebuilding my neighborhood while you're dicking around in Albany and Washington not doing your fucking job. Yeah. So come out here and make a stand and stand with your people. Get a number, listen to constituents, fight me on Twitter. I'm done. <laughs> uh, if you I want told to... you I couldn't get charged up. You can't let me get worked up. We can't help, uh, it. We can't help it. Uh, just in case you're curious, by the way, to tie back to what I said earlier that my, uh, my buddy Dana was trolling me about my Syrian heritage on Twitter. If you guys are curious about what my Syrian heritage in Utica was, my grandfather owned a hardware store in East Utica for like 25 years. I know that's very terroristic. <laughs> no, all the terroristic mentality. How is that terroristic? I don't know. What I'm are just, you saying? I'm, just, what is I'm just making, I don't know. I'm just saying like, just be the fact that he was a Syrian guy did not define him. What defined my grandfather when he grew up in this town and it's raised my weird. family here was being a decent human being. He was an American. He was an American who served the community and was served a, the country yeah, as well in yeah. the war. And when he passed away, and that line out of the funeral home was all the way around the corner, it wasn't because he was uh, a Syrian guy. It was right. because he was a member of the community. And I would encourage, so, you know, we yeah. have this resource at our fingers in Utica. I would encourage any anybody who's unsure about or even unfamiliar with immigrants and refugees, you don't need mm-hmm. know people like this, go to a lot of the thriving businesses that are owned by immigrants, refugees, people like that in the downtown areas of Utica. Go talk to these mm-hmm. people because as somebody who has the majority of people who are immigrants to this country are so happy to be here and buy in harder to the American dream than a lot of regular people that I know around here do like... Mm-hmm. Salt of the earth people, and you know you cannot punish the vast majority because of the perceived boogeyman characteristics of a teeny tiny percentage of the minority. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Teeny tiny. So if you want to see what Claudia Tinney's official position is, apparently check out uh, Alex. Oh, buy a pair of flip flops. <laughs> I owe. Uh, then said, you know, what? instead of reading that article, why don't you just check out our interview uh, with OD City reporter uh, Alex Gerald? Fascinating guy. Great guy. Great guy. Great talked guy. about journalism, talked about a lot of cool stuff. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. Jameson? No, it's tempting, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm off the clock right now. That's so. true, you are off the clock, that's fair. Um, uh, it's really, it's a pleasure to have you in the uh, in the studio. Sure. I gotta tell you, and I'll tell you a story to start off, um, so when I when I wanted to have you on the show, mm-hmm. 
I went to the website and I and I looked up the number that was listed for you because yeah. I'm yeah. I'm not as good with email and like the digital tech as I should be sure. for a guy my age. I'd like to call people still. People hate that. <laughs> so I just got the number. I was like, oh, I'm just going to call oh, him. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't necessarily know I was going to get you like at work oh, in, no. the, <laughs> in the office. No, that's fine. So, and I was kind of, I was like, oh man, he probably thinks I'm calling with like some sort of news story, like car accident. Right? On, there's a car accident. Uh, no. <laughs> so, and then I got curious thinking about it. Like, one, is that, does that happen all day? Do you just get phone calls all day about stories? Is that how it works? Oh, yeah, it I'm, definitely does. Really? Yeah. Everybody just, just calls me. I thought you were a different source. Yeah. Tell you the truth. <laughs> so, okay. I had, like, I'm working on, like, five different stories yeah. in the course of a day, and I was like, who's going to call me now? And, yeah. and I think at first I was, like, towards the end of the day, so I was like, ah, who the hell's calling me now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's I was, late like, in the day. Ready yeah, yeah. to get out. I was um, fighting a cold, you know? It's well, like, oh. Well, because that's the other thing I was, gonna, I was curious about. Like, how often are you getting calls from people looking for you specifically? Or just any, like, news call, right? Yeah, like, yeah, quite a bit. Really, actually. yeah. Yeah, I'm mm. like you. I put a lot of phone calls out. Sure. So I'd rather sure. do that over the phone. I do, like, email oh, so that's and interesting. Text, so. Yeah. so do you have, like, I wouldn't, I'm not going to tell you to name your sources, but sure. you probably have, like, local people who you've done, uh, who sure. you've done contact with in the past you keep going back oh, to. Yeah, oh, that's really. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. See, <laughs> I find, like, the journalism field very fascinating. When I was in college, uh, I got my history degree, and I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out what I was going to do for grad school. And one of the things that my like advisor kind of pitched to me is like, you know, you're a pretty good uh, writer. Sure. You should uh, should think about journalism. And I like, you know, as a young like hipster in Brooklyn <laughs> in 2009, I was like, Prince dead, bro. I don't want to go to. The- <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I was like, I don't want to do that, man. Right. The Times, you know, but yeah. like, I just. Um, but I do find like journalism fascinating, and I. And I always was very attracted to, uh, I got really caught up in like internet journalism sure, in like 2007, sure. 2008. Yep, I was really yep. big on like ESPN's page two and that still made a difference. Sure. You know? Yep, definitely. Yeah, I'm taking a crap on ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing um, wrong with that. No, no, sorry. I'm a, I'm a big hockey fan. They don't show oh, any hockey they, on ESPN. They so don't show like hockey that, anywhere so. except like yeah. the odd and like the yeah. NHL network. It I sucks, feel like. you know? <laughs> and I don't have cable, so I can't see any of them. Well, we'll get into that in a second too because I have had people, I'm not a hockey guy, sure. and people have tried to pitch me on hockey on the show before. Mm-hmm. I have a, Utica is a hot bed of hockey fans. Yeah, I didn't definitely. realize it until I came definitely. back. I'm a soccer guy, so I'm already okay. sort of like a pretentious sports guy. Like people like turn their nose up, like, oh, yeah, you're right, one of those right. people. <laughs> All right. Um, S, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw your, your last name up sure. for sure, but I'm going to try anyway. Sure. S, Alexander Giroux. Gerald. Gerald. It's like a first name. Just think See? first name. So. Gerald. I'm going to have yeah. to write that down because I'm definitely going to screw it up. Works great um, with telemarketers. Let me S. Alexander, Gerald, uh, you are the city reporter for yes. the Observer Dispatch. Uh, thank you for being on the show, man. Of I course. appreciate it. No problem. It. Um, I got to ask, S. Alexander, Ger- uh, <laughs> Gerald, you told me your first name is sure. Sam as well. Yes, it really? is. Are you yes. Samuel? Yes. I'm actually just Sam. Are you just Sam? I'm just Sam. Yeah. See, Sam I, was, I am. I was named after a nickname. Are yes. you really? Yeah. I don't even know what I was named after. Well, they, <laughs> tell you the truth. It was, uh, just happened. I don't know if this... Are you Jewish? No. I always assumed that Samuel was like a Jewish yeah. thing. Supposedly it's like a great-great-grandfather somewhere. There you go. Maybe. <laughs> but my parents said, we don't know why we called you that, but we didn't like it, so we called you Alex. So, okay. Well, there you go. So, so just uh, <laughs> yeah. just ruin my... Screws you up yeah. the rest of your life, though. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so, um, so, do you prefer Alex, though? Yes. Yeah, yes. So, uh, so, Alex, how long, before I get too far, how long sure. have you been with the OD? Uh, go, it'll be three years in July. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Three years. Very nice. Uh, so, let's get a little bit into your backstory before we start digging into the OD sure. stuff. Uh, sure. You guys are celebrating your 200-year anniversary, which is mind-blowing crazy. to me. It's crazy. It's pretty crazy. Um, 
But we'll get to that in just a minute. Yeah. But let's let's start a little bit with you. Where where are you from originally? Where were you born? Sure, I was born in uh, Westfield, New York. It's in uh, Chautauqua County. Yes. Yeah. Westfield, New York. I did a little bit of internet research because I am a <laughs> uh, professional journalist, capital P, lowercase t. Sure. Um, now, Westfield, this is what I found out basically on Westfield. Yep. It just said Welch's Grape Juice in yep. big letters. Yep. So is this like the Welch's Grape That's, Juice? It was, it was founded. Founded there, in Westfield. yeah. Yeah, it's known for grapes, wineries, all that kind of good stuff. Really? So, yeah. Interesting. Yep. And you are basically, uh, I was associated with Italy. You're like the bottom left <laughs> border yeah, of New York. We're basically Pennsylvania. That's all. <laughs> what, was, uh, what was it like growing out in Western New York? Did you like it? I liked it. I actually mm. miss it quite a bit. It feels like I'm in a different country here in central New York, Mohawk Valley, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because we don't have Wegmans or Tim yeah. Hortons, which is the coffee chain. I, I pitch that to the mayor every time I talk to him. When's, well, when's my Wegmans coming? Wegmans happen? is not coming. They can't. They're not allowed right. to, right? Supposedly, is that the, yeah, supposedly. yeah. I would take it Tim Hortons, though. Oh, yeah. I've I been, love Tim Hortons. We went to Canada a lot when we were younger. Okay. I played in a band, so we sure. used to go play every sure. now and then up there, and uh, Tim Hortons was yeah. all right. I get behind yeah. the Tim Hortons. Nobody knows what I'm talking about when I say that. No, nah, man, they got the bread bowls there too, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, and the yeah. chili, man. Yeah, I'm, I know what I'm. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, a lot of times when I have people on the show, they're from like uh, very like suburban areas around sure. here, and I sure. and I press them about like the stereotypes of their region because mm-hmm. I'm always curious. What was like the Westfield stereotype for like a person from Westfield? <laughs> very rural. Rural. Yeah, it was a very very small town. Um, mm. Biggest city, Jamestown, had maybe thirty thousand people in it. Oh wow! Or so. Okay. So it's like it's living in the country, basically. Mm. But we were an hour from Buffalo, an hour from Erie, Pennsylvania. So yeah. interesting. We're still big city mm. enough. So. Were you a uh, only child? You got family? I've got a sister. Sister, yep. one sister. One Are you sister. Younger. Older. Older. See, I'm the younger brother. How's it? What's it like being the older brother? You I like love that? being the oldest. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, being the youngest was good because everybody gets... You can get away with whatever you want as the youngest. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. You probably got it hard as the oldest. You probably got the... There were a lot of parents. My, well, my parents were really laid back, so they kind of let me yeah. do, that's you know, right. whatever. Whatever. My my wife hates it still, though, because mm. my mom still, like, dotes on me. Oh, okay. you know? yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. She's oh, like, that never goes my away. firstborn son. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, were you... I'm curious. So you went to high school in Westfield as well? Yes. yes. Uh, was there any, like, inkling at that point in time that you would head toward a journalism type field? Were you interested in journalism then, or...? Not really. We didn't have a... We didn't have, like, a student newspaper... Really? ...or a journalism <laughs> program. Um, I just liked to write. Oh. So I was always kind of interested in that. So I was like, what can I do... Uh, you know, with writing yeah. involved. So in, when in high school, I had no idea I wanted to be a journalist until basically I got to college. Do you write creatively at all when you were younger? I did, all the time. Like yeah. short stories. Short stories. Never start yeah. or finished or whatever. People so. thought I was weird for that. Not not weird, but like I was, yeah. it was weird that I wrote like screenplays yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> like, I was like TV shows, right? I thought right. that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cast my friends in it. Just exactly. For fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, college, uh, I went looking in, again, you're sure. a Fredoni guy. Yes. What yeah. is that, the Red Dragons? I forget, what are you? Blue Devils. Blue Devils, I think I'm totally, Portland's, Portland's the Red, Red Dragons. Dragons I think, yeah. uh, and you went there for English. Yes, I did. How was your time at Fredoni, did you it like it? It was good, I loved it. I did a lot of, lot more partying than oh, I yeah. probably well, should have, really? you know, so why not? So That's what college yeah. is for. Yeah, definitely. And then I actually went to school to be a teacher. I went to basically ah. three years. I started working at a small newspaper in Westfield. You're an English major? Uh, Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And so and I said, I like journalism. Now I went to low pay and mm-hmm. lack of job security, <laughs> basically. Uh, so grad school, you were out at Gannon University. I'm unfamiliar with Gannon. Where's that? It's, it's in Erie, Pennsylvania. That's Erie, Pennsylvania. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And what was that? Uh, curriculum and... Instruction. Instruction. Yeah. So, yeah, so you really did think teaching was yeah. the way to go for well, a while. Everybody said, you know, Prince dying, like we were talking right. about. Yeah, so I was like, yeah I for sure. I need a backup plan. <laughs> then, of course... 
I get halfway through graduate school and the economy shits the bed. Yeah, of course. And then it's like now I'm stuck, you know, paying for a graduate degree. I don't do anything. Oh, with, dude, that's, so. that's the story of so many people. Yeah. Uh, did you? How far did you pursue teaching? Did you ever like get certified? I went or all you... the way up until student teaching. Oh, just student yep. teaching. And then I switched yeah. over. So as a guy who's in grad school currently for adolescent education, I always oh, okay. I go back and forth yeah. between like sometimes I love it and then sometimes yeah. I get up to the idea of it. I'm like, oh sure. god, I need to run away from this as fast as <laughs> yeah. possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's a teacher, so I kind of live vicariously oh, through her. So. My family was all teachers so okay. like that's a big part of it yeah. like i growing up in that education yeah. like background i think <laughs> definitely uh so let's get into a little bit of well actually let's let's go from here what year yeah. did you graduate uh gannon oh geez it's like a job interview or something because <laughs> well, <just, you> know, <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to place like so you, sure. you your pursuit yep. teaching how did you end up at the og yeah i actually um they had a job opening well i graduated mm-hmm. from gannon in 2010 okay all right um, okay yep and yeah. i was working at uh the jamestown post journal mm-hmm. uh dunkirk observer two papers in Chautauqua county oh, nice. um what were you doing out there uh like, reporting just like so, yeah, yeah yeah i was yeah, covering yeah. Uh, education out there oh nice them, so yeah. Yeah. yeah so um i ended up at the od they had a job opening i was working in tv news actually. tv news yeah, yeah. Time right. Warner Cable or whatever it's called now. Yes. Spe- yeah. Spectrum or I, whatever. I don't have cable. <laughs> whatever. I have a, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me either. So it's like, I don't know. But uh, just I, I just didn't like it. So I thought, well, we'll try to go back to uh, print mm-hmm. for some reason. Did you know Did you know right away that you were, that it was for you? Like, did you go back in it and start writing and be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. What was like your first, you remember your first beat on the OD? You remember your first stuff doing? Uh, I did something on the uh, Stanley Theater. Uh, back their finances. Oh. Uh, that was like one of the first big stories I did because they were they're having financial issues. Mm. Thankfully, they're getting better with that. So well, I think every for a time everything in Utica was having yeah, financial yeah. issues. Like, Seems that way. Every place yeah. that I feel like is doing well now, yeah. one time I was like, well, I think we're yeah. gonna close. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of good follow up stories. So, <laughs> uh, so two hundred years, man. That's uh, that's a crazy number. Yeah, I've been definitely. thinking, and especially you know we we jokingly say like you know Prince dying, but. It did seem like maybe uh, maybe I'm pinpointing the years sure. wrong, but about ten years ago maybe it seemed like there was that was the big story of all these big mm-hmm. newspapers all over the country closing. Definitely. Definitely. What do you think it means that the OD stayed open somehow? Do you think it has like do you think it's affected the area in a positive way? It's been here like I, I do. A lot of people don't obviously. Right, right, <laughs> so right. I, de- I definitely think it does for. One of the major reasons I came back to mm-hmm. print journalism and to the OD was yeah. because I knew that it had such a lasting impact that it was going to stick around for a while. I wasn't just going to go to, you know, some little town somewhere and start mm-hmm. working at a paper, but I could see this paper. It was evolving. It was able to stick around. So I think I, I think they've done a great job. Yeah. You know, and, and to be fair, if I'm totally honest, I did feel like when that was happening in mm-hmm. that era, I was like, oh, OD's definitely, oh, yeah. it's definitely yeah. going to close, yeah. right? And the fact that it's still around and still viable is... Is, is positive for the community. Sure. Uh, and that actually sort of speaks, I think, to my next question, which is, like, you guys have moved into a lot of the web-based stuff. Sure. I, I, read, I read the OD mostly on the web now. Sure. Uh, how do you feel about, like, the current state of, like, journalism where it is? Do you feel like it's moving in a good direction now? Is Does it feel like we're moving to sure. an internet-first sure. era? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I'm I'm a print guy, though. I'm, I'm a hard sure. copy kind of guy. Of so course. I love having that. Like, you see my desk. My <laughs> desk is covered in paint. I print all my notes out, even though I could just, like, copy and oh. paste them into my story. I handwrite so, my notes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. but we definitely are moving. You're seeing we're dinosaurs, though. You yeah. know that, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's basically. Over for guys yeah. Like us. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's like all these like young kids. I'm only 32, and I have 25 year olds. So they're oh, like, yeah. oh, do you have this latest app on your smartphone? And I'm like, I just got a smartphone like two years ago. <laughs> you know? So sure, why not? <laughs> but, but it's definitely going in a good direction. Journalism is going that direction for better or worse. Mm-hmm. But it's going towards you know internet based, social media based. So. Uh, you sort of hinted at it a little bit. Uh, big story in like national news is mm-hmm. 
there seems to be a divide between the media and like politics and media and like there's a lot of negativity yeah. in general toward the media. Is that going on? I've, is that I've going never, on? I've never, <laughs> well, I'm curious. Like, does that do you see that on a local level? Like, is there that sort of negativity sure. on a local level? You as do. Well? You do see it, especially now. Um, yeah. Not so much as the big national certainly, media chains get, but you do see it. A lot of times, you get the fake news comments. Fake news. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. comes up all the time. Oh um, yeah. You get people that don't want to talk to you because you're the media. But it's just it's just the way it works. <laughs> you know? so. I, I pitched to Carrie last time she was on here, yeah. your colleague Carrie uh, Vostick, that you guys should just start getting in the fake news game. Yeah. It seems like that's where everything is going. <laughs> I kind of want to. That would yeah. be awesome. <laughs> okay. um, uh, on that sort of segment, though, uh, sure. one of the reasons I've, I've had you on the show, and it's funny because when Carrie, when I brought her on, one of her first questions was like, why why do you want me to come on this show? How do you, and I was like, I know who you guys are. Uh, but one of the reasons I asked you specifically to come sure. on the show is a lot of times I don't read necessarily who's writing the articles mm-hmm. when I'm reading the paper. I just, I don't think about it sometimes. I'm like, I headline and start reading yeah, it, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then I go back and check afterwards because as a history major, it's important for me to go back and source so, when I'm done. I'm like, right. well, wait a minute, dude. Who, sure. do, I, who do I get sure. this from? And more often than not, I, you know, I will read an article on the OD that I think is interesting and I'm like, who wrote this? And more often than not, it's you. Hmm. And that's it. So I appreciate that you're out yeah. there doing your thing. And sure. my question is, how much leeway do you have with what you can and can't write? Like, how much Yeah, how much choice do you have in terms of what you're going to present every sure. day? Quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially, I know they, my editors give me a lot of leeway. They trust me to be able to go sure. out there and find a story, write a story. They know I'll be able to... I've been doing this long enough, yeah. you know, so, which is nice because my editors are really hands-off. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very nice. We get, we get a lot of leeway to go out there and... Write whatever we want to write, basically. So. Nice. nice. That's cool. Uh, do you have, like, is there, like, a wheelhouse you have particularly you feel like you like writing about certain things or something? Around? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I really hated politics coming into this. Yes. But it's just because I'm not political at all. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm not a Democrat, not a Republican. Yeah. I, I have no, You're a centrist. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> so it was like, I, I, I didn't like politics. I was like, oh, man, what, you know, this doesn't really interest me right away, mm. but it's like I've, I've gotten into it, and I, I've really kind of gotten intrigued by it, so. It's it's almost hard. I, I, I swear to God, it's funny, it's funny you're saying this, because we, before you came in, we were doing sure. the other segments, and one of the things I was complaining about is I feel like I get ready to do this show sometimes, mm-hmm. and I go and I hit all my sources and all my places sure. I want to go to get stories, and I just think, God, I can't get away from talking about politics. I can't get away from talking about Trump. I can't get away from talking about stuff because this seems to be what everyone's talking about everywhere, and it's it's bringing me down to a certain extent. Definitely, me too. Like I'm fascinated by it, but it's like in a train wreck kind of way. Like I'm scared and also fascinated. It doesn't help that I read a lot of like post-apocalyptic dystopian (laughs) fiction as a kid. So I'm just looking at all this. I'm like, this is Brave New World, man. This is it. This is happening. Um, 1984. I know. It's all sold out. You can't buy it anywhere. So uh, I talked to you a little bit earlier when we were off the air about podcasting and inspirations and stuff. And I'm curious, like, growing up, you said, you know, you like to write. Did you have, like, journalistic inspirations growing up? Were there, like, writers who who spoke to you particularly? Not not really. Not really. The truth. Yeah. yeah, it just basically started by my parents read the newspaper. Hmm. Uh, I have sometimes two or three different newspapers, mm-hmm. and I would just see that every morning, and I, I started to read it. My dad would point out stories to me, uh, check this out, do this, or whatever, and that was basically it. But nobody really, no journalist that really mm-hmm. said, you know, that stood out to me as this is what I could mm-hmm. do for my life. Very good. Yeah. Um, all right, so I guess my question is then the counterpoint of this, do you sure. read Right, is there writers you read now? Like as a as a person who is a journalist, as a guy who is out there actively typing and writing news, sure. are there journalists that you like to read today? 
tell you the truth, this is going to sound really, really bad, but I, I don't know a lot of the journalist names that I read. Like, I'm kind of like, <laughs> it's you. True, yeah, I read yeah. the article, and then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I go back up and read it, and it's like, oh, okay. I actually, it's, so. and it's sad to say, maybe this is the problem, yeah. is that I've gotten to a point where I trust the source more than the, the writer, mm. right? If yeah. I go to NPR, I trust that whatever article they're going to sure. read is probably sure. going to be something I'm interested in, regardless of who's right. writing it. Maybe that's naive of me. Maybe yeah. I should be paying more attention. Sure. But maybe that's... You know, on the other side, I think that's kind of where people are now. Yeah. People have these these little tiny pockets of what interests them, right. what news source speaks to them, exactly, uh, and they stick to that, and that's why they're totally flabbergasted when something right. crazy. Happens. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so. I read stuff every day, but I can't tell you who wrote them. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but um, so uh, this is a question that I pitched uh, to a guy last week. Uh, it's the first time we did it last week. I'm going to sure. sort of modify it for you. Sure. Uh, in this case. Uh, if you could interview somebody as a as a journalist, anybody dead or alive for an interview, who would you want? Tough question. I know. It's a very tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to make this one of the non secular questions, but yeah, I, felt right, like I, could, right. I felt like I could tie it in uh, with you today. So Man, that, that is a that's a very tough question. Mm-hmm. Um I guess I'm a history buff, like sure. you. Like yeah, yeah. if it wasn't if I didn't major in English, I was going to go into history. history. Just I watch the History Channel nonstop. Yeah. And, There's uh, a weird connection between history majors and English majors. Oh, I've yeah. noticed it over the years. Yeah. I probably could have been an English major as right. well. I think yeah. it's just that that's like your right brain. Exactly. Right? Yeah, we're all exactly. right brain people. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's right brain. Yeah, right brain. Whatever. They <laughs> <have>. <laughs> uh, I would probably say I've always been intrigued by like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, it's uh, a popular one. Civil War type yeah. of thing. So I just think it would be amazing to just pick his brain because, in a sense, we're kind of sort of at that point obviously it's not a civil war certainly there like it does There's feel divided. divisions yeah right, right it does feel divided more sure. than more than it probably ever has sure. and, and sometimes i get concerned i get concerned about speaking in hyperbole mm-hmm. I, I don't like to say this is the most divided we've ever been because i don't know that yeah right this is for me as a 31 year old man this is the most divided i feel sure. like i've ever been aware enough of our country to understand. Maybe it was more when I was a mm-hmm. kid, but I didn't care about that. Yeah, I cared about, like, dinosaurs and yeah. Power Rangers yeah. and stuff like that. Right? You know I mean, <laughs> exactly. like, as I get into this stage of my life, it does feel somewhat hyperbolic, but maybe it should. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm conflicted. No, <laughs> I agree. I completely agree with you. All right, so let's get off that for a second, and okay. we'll get into our uh, our non-secular questions. Before I do that, though, uh, if people are curious, they want to reach out to you or contact you, where sure. can people uh, get in contact with you? Sure. My uh, phone number is 315-792-4995. I know, it's not the new area code <laughs> oh, yet. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh so, Alex, uh, we're going to get into our non-secular questions. Sure. This is our lightning round. These are the same six questions we've been asking the last 50-some-odd people on the show. I don't remember <laughs> when we started. Right. Uh, so, first question, uh, how do you, Alex, Gerald, take your coffee? <laughs> two creams, two sugars. Two creams, two sugars. Double-double Tim Hortons. Now, That's so. <laughs> it's good. I'm going to write that down. I found out that, though, Dunkin' Donuts, that means, like, six creams, six sugars. So, when I first moved yeah. here, I started ordering that, and I'm like, why is this coffee so sugary? Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Kevin's agreeing you in the yeah, green room. See. You can see him. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts is highly inconsistent for what their sugar yeah. and cream ratio is. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I say two of each, and then it's like, why is this yeah. milk? Is it's this coffee-flavored milk? Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, what was your first automobile? <laughs> a Plymouth Duster, 1991 oh, Plymouth 91 Duster. 1991 Duster, yes. <laughs> no paint, had my name scratched on the side, my friend scratched Classic. it in there, yeah. <laughs> uh, you may or may not have taken your automobile to see it, but what was your first uh, live concert event? <laughs> 
going to go way back. I don't even know if you know this band. Hypnotic Clambake. Hypnotic Clambake. <laughs> I don't even know if they're around still, but it was, my dad was really into like I've this never heard of, of that. Yeah, it's like jams. It's like Dave Matthews kind of. You a jam guy? <sighs> Yeah, you know, right. a little bit. Okay. Yeah, my dad is. You know, that's he's fair. really into that. So, like, he dragged my sister and I to that. When we were really, really young. That's the one I remember. You into like the Dead and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, Dead. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. A, I'm a musician at heart. Grew up playing mm. in bands. Okay, I appreciate jam band music. Yeah, I watch people play that kind of like that. Those kind of music, Grateful Dead, like Fish, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Super talented. For whatever reason, it never spoke to me. Yeah. I always looked around. I'm like, sure. I don't know if this is. <laughs> I don't know if this is for me necessarily, right, right. but those dudes are always super talented, so I have a hard time being like, "Brr, jam yeah. band." He's like, "Those dudes are all." Uber I can't talented. play that. You know, I, I can't, can't play that. it that way. Uh, along the same lines, uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, I am. Well, we tried to watch it. Oak Island. Secret Oak of Island. Oak Island on Secret that History Channel. No, I haven't yeah. seen this show. What's this about? Island out in the uh, North Atlantic, uh, basically, where there's like a treasure hole or something. Okay. I don't even know what it is, but <laughs> like these bunch, these old guys are trying to find <laughs> all this treasure down there, but it's really addicting. My oh. wife and I literally sit there. We also watch uh, Gotham. Gotham, Gotham's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too, I never so. I never caught yeah. up on Gotham. Again, I'm like a, I don't have cable, yeah, per se. Yeah, that's what we are. We have Hulu, yeah, 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 so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've just been watching Seinfeld on Hulu. Every oh, time I, I turn, Seinfeld. I know. Every time yeah. I turn on Hulu to yep. watch something else, I end up watching Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to set the stage for you. Sure. You are the uh, the world wrestling heavyweight champion. <laughs> you are walking down the ramp to the ring, belt over your head. The crowd is cheering your name. You're about to defend your championship. What song is playing in the background <laughs> as you walk to the ring? <laughs> Oh, man, this is a tough one. Uh, mm. Let's see, is there a jam band one I can play? <laughs> <Is> <laughs> yeah. Does Dave Matthews fit in with it? No. Uh, uh, I, Dave Matthews <laughs> is the only like jam band that I probably have uh, archived yeah. music for. Yeah, so right. If, if you want like to pick that, it's not going to stop you. Uh, I don't even... I'd probably say, I don't know, Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger. Survivor. All Who doesn't like that song? You know? <laughs> it's a classic. Um, all right. And besides um, besides Hypnotic Clambake, uh, your 91 Duster, and Tim Horton's Double Double Coffee, uh, Alex, give us one more thing that you are passionate about. Uh, Buffalo sports. Buffalo sports. You Unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, I'll share this with you as a, sure. from one Bills fan to another. Um you're you're probably right in my age range. I'm yeah. trying to age. I'm trying to gauge where we 32, are. Thirty-two. Thirty-two. I'm thirty-one. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of times when I talk about the Bills with people, people talk to me about the Buffalo Bills. You're like, oh, the Bills yeah. lose all the Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, Bills sick. Oh yeah. And yeah. I always have to tell them like, I'm. I was born in 1986. <laughs> I did not care about any of those yeah. four Super Bowls. Yeah. Like I was too young. I was too busy thinking about Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Right. The only my first Bills memory of, of like being a Bills fan yeah. was the Music City Miracle. Was them. That that lateral oh, yeah. to Frank yeah. Wycheck, yeah. like that's my Bills memory. Like I hate when people come and talk to me like, "Ooh, Scott Norwood." Why? Yeah, like, I, I don't know anything about Scott Norwood. <laughs> right. Like from what I hear, he was a nice guy. Right. And he's right. like, he gets a bad rap. So um, yeah, as a Bills fan, it's tough. And yeah. Buffalo sports in general, I, I tried to be a Sabres fan. Yeah, I tried uh, when when they had those terrible black and red uniforms oh, yeah. back in the. See, I like those. I'm a huge Sabre fan. You a fan? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get it. Pitch me on hockey one more time before I let you go. Because no one, everyone's tried and they can't sell me. Why should I be watching more hockey? It's like every other sport out there but on ice. That's what probably everybody says, you know. There's hitting, there's fighting, athleticism. So it's not like every other sport. I don't think it's like badminton or something. Maybe. <laughs> See, no one, there, no one is yet to crack my top three, which is just uh, soccer, 
uh, NBA and professional wrestling. Yeah. So that's uh, that'll still that'll, those will always be my top three. Um, uh, Eric, Alex Gerald, it's, I'm still I'm never gonna not no, call you Gerald. Fine. You know that's I can't fine. help it. It works. Uh, Alex, it is a real pleasure yes, to have you on the show. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, check him out on Twitter as well. O D underscore uh, Gerald G R O U L D. I'll link it. Um, and thanks for joining us, yeah. man. We'll be back no to problem. the show in just a moment. start framing the theme song question differently because I keep getting back like uh, Rocky or Anthemic theme songs. No, you know you know what I think happens? People aren't expecting that question mm-hmm. because you've got to be a real wild niche weirdo like we are to like even appreciate that question. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that comes to mind culturally for most people don't think like that is just something from Rocky. And, and don't get me wrong, I like this song. I'm not hating on this song. It's a classic. It's a banger. But like I'm always... I was happier when I got like <clears throat> when last week I got like a James Taylor song, which doesn't seem like it would make sense. But it's like, all right, yeah, yeah. At least it's well, like yeah. It should fit you as a person. You know what I thought was cool about Alex's interview um, that mm. I specifically noticed when I was listening to it is he's a guy who's just about our age and a year or two old yeah. or something. But as two guys who both had interest at different points in our life about journalism and the way the world works, mm. it was interesting to get an insight into a dude who's like pretty similar age range, a lot of the same experiences. Who went that way? Yeah, it's like almost like taking a look down the road when he was talking about like what his day to day life is, like how work is, like what it works yeah. like to be that dude down there at the OD. It's always cool to get a look at somebody um, who you identify with what they do, but you don't quite do it. I told him during the I told him during the <clears throat> during the interview, I asked him to be on the show because primarily I read the OD and I don't read head I don't read the authors of the articles like yeah. right off the bat. I usually just click on whatever catches my eye. And every time I read an article and really enjoy it, more often than not, I roll up and it was him. And I was like, oh. So it just made sense to reach out to him. I've noticed with the OD, the people, and this is, you know, none of it's gunning at the OD's head, but like as a smaller paper in a smaller town where, you know, you've got real budgetary constraints and mm. circles, I noticed that there are some writers down there who really set themselves apart because the OD is a great job for people to start when oh, you yeah. get out of school. Because realistically, like people who you know build this huge portfolio, get into it, end up getting more competitive offers. Mm-hmm. So you'll catch some, and I think you'll notice that with our local you know news stations as well. So the people who are really the cream of the crop really sort of separate mm-hmm. themselves because sometimes they're surrounded by people who maybe aren't bad or anything like that, but they're just getting their you know getting mm-hmm. their feet wet, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like I said, not a knock on any of them, but you can really see the cream of the crop when you read the paper. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, for true. And uh, again, check him out on the OD all the time. He's always writing good stuff. Great guy. Uh, so, 
Uh, let's get into our history lessons because it kind of ties God. into. I know. No, it's important. What? I mean. <laughs> well, it's important. It's important. All right. So, sure. uh, in this day, and we're going backwards this week. Uh, in this day in well, 19. What do you mean we're going backwards? We're backwards you do, time. You no. do the history thing. History's always backwards. No, no, but we're going from most recent Future history. history today. We're going from most recent history to most distant history this time. I usually try and go the other way. Do oh, you? He's yeah, yeah. Up. He's getting I'm switching crazy. it up. Switching you it up. You think that there's crazy. anybody besides you that notices? Does, does, doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter to you. On this day in 1950, uh, Harry Truman announced development for the H-bomb. Kind of a bad day. Kind of a bad look for us. <laughs> Doesn't look great. Not great. On this day in 1948, Gandhi was assassinated. Also, not I'm great. I'm discouraged by 1950 to 1948 because that's only a two-year jump, so I feel like we've got many years to go. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's fine. Uh, on then this, I poured a fresh one only, before this segment. Only two more. Uh, on this day in 1882, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was born. He was born on that day. Now, why am I telling you that? Because also, in 1817, that was the first issue of the Observer Dispatch. It is celebrating its 200-year anniversary this week. That's wow. pretty crazy. That's, that's crazy, crazy, right? That's something to, that's that. something to give a little mm-hmm. golf clap to. I'm not going to, but uh, <laughs> I think the golf clap on the podcast is weird, but like that, if anybody it's was going to get one, 200 years. No, 200 years, man. Look, that's crazy impressive, and my, my the weirdest part for me was trying to... Uh, contextualize 200 years, right? Like, 200 years is a really long time. So this is the closest thing I could find. In the same year, in 1817, in March of that year, James Monroe was elected, was uh, inaugurated as president. The fifth president. Yeah, fifth president. And in July of that year, uh, the Erie Canal began its building stages in Rome, New York. Oh, God. So I feel like the building? first... Jesus. Yeah, they started building it. it. It sounds like I'm being sarcastic when I say this, but the Erie Canal and its history is a really, really interesting thing. <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> no, it's really fascinating. I understand that sounds sarcastic, it's... but like the the Erie Canal is set the foundation for a lot of things that have played out in our area, yeah. or, you know, felt through centuries afterwards and stuff like that. So All I can imagine that first like couple episodes, or first couple issues of the Observatory Dispatch were just like, this Monroe doesn't know what he's doing. This Erie Canal is a boondoggle. We need to get rid of him. Impeached. Same, same as it is 200 years later. It's exactly. Somebody wants to dig a hole in North Utica. Some people don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> no. I <laughs> uh, know. Nothing ever changes. It all stays the Time same. Time is a flat circle and history repeats itself. That's Last day of January, guys. What do you think? How was this first month of 2017? Oh, yeah. Jesus, you couldn't even get that out of your mouth. I couldn't. Eventful. You know what? I, I'll tell you the weirdest thing about the first month of 2017 or 2017 is I can't believe it's the month is already over. Like again, as I get older, all I think of is how quick time goes now. That's because we've been there. stressed every day. I'm stressed now. When I was a kid, every an hour day. seemed like the longest amount it's, of time it's, ever it's, exists. It's very simple. It's because with each passing year, uh, one full year represents a smaller percentage of your life total. Yes. So, like, when you're four years old, one year seems like the longest time ever because it's a quarter of the damn time you've been alive. (laughs) But once you get to this age, one year is just a smaller percentage that some people could probably figure out on the spot. (laughs) People say to me, you act like an old man, and I say... Today's the oldest I've ever I mean, been. You can't wait to be an old I've man. I've never been as old as I am right this second. I don't know many people. I don't know many people in my life who are uh, more excited about the prospect of being right? a crotchety old man than you are. Right? Can't it's wait. so weird. You're can't wait. Uh, all right, so let's move on. I got some. Uh, I got some dumb stories to counteract all the heavy stuff we've been talking uh, about. You new? guys ready? Were those yeah. not dumb stories? <laughs> well, that stuff sounded real dumb. Well, Kevin, uh, I'm actually going to reach out to you on this one. Okay. Oh, here we so go. please uh, keep your hands off me. There is. There is a. There's a brewery. In Virginia, 
that has invented. I want them dead. <laughs> they have invented an Oreo flavored beer. No, 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 no. It's gross, right? It sounds gross. What, okay, so Oreo is the name they put on it for marketing, but what flavors are actually involved? No, no, no. It's a porter beer that they steep in Oreos. Oh, and then drink. My God. Oh my God. Yeah. Why can't people just drink beer? Well, apparently. Mara says as she drinks her Clementine Pale that Ale. Is a hint. <laughs> a that fine is a hint beer. Clem- You're not. Like it's, deep frying it. Look at look at. I would. I'll put it this way. As the resident beer guy on the show, I think it's fair. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, as the resident beer guy on the show, I would certainly eagerly have somebody pour me up a sample if I was somewhere. Where it sure. Was draft, because I have a lot of curiosities, <laughs> and at worst, I can just take a sip and be like, "Oh no, this isn't very good." That'll be the worst thing that'll happen. Hmm. But that's not something I would ever roll the dice on in the grocery store or the beer store with a six pack. Hmm. No. Mm, nah. All right. Well, they, so wait. Do they have a tie-in? I'm, I got to read about this because I wonder if they actually do. They have a tie-in with like the Oreo company. I believe they do. Have the, they tied in with them for their like the whole thing? Are they licensed to use the Oreo name, trademark, and logos? I'd have to pull up the info. But for what I'm gathering is this is not an isolated case because there were a couple other uh, like crossover uh, beers they had done as well. A Cocoa Puffs infused Negroni, which sounds uh, disgusting, by the way. Sounds, I'm sorry. I don't know sounds about the name really of that. Gross. I'm not oh. sure how I feel about that. And then a frosted. <laughs> Flakes IPA. So there's a Ooh. that sounds that, that one is more on range. <laughs> You've got Mara's attention. Oh my god. Uh, so what I basically saw Mara's cheeks flush. Now, <laughs> now I brought this excited. up basically because you're the beer guy, Kev. Sure. I'm trying. I want you to pitch to Saranac uh, a Golden Grams Porter. Can you get me some sort of Golden Grams X Saranac Porter that oh, I can drink? Ah. Uh, so here, here's here's what, what I was gonna saying. say before you moved into that, and some of this might check off some boxes on your list. Um, I I would be I would be very skeptical of stuff like the Oreos, the Frosted Flakes. All of it's a little yeah. too gimmicky for my liking. Um, and you know you mentioned I you know I do work at a brewery. Uh, we came out with a beer last year called S'more Porter. Oh yeah, I and that. I I expected. And I'm gonna say this, and this isn't just shilling for the company blindly because I work there. If I was just doing that, I would talk about how we do have it in the gift shop uh, on sale with our Clementine Pale Ale. If I was blindly shilling, <laughs> of course. But since I'm not, winter hours twelve opening at twelve for the rest of the week, closed on Mondays and Sundays. If I wasn't shilling for where I work, I would say when I tried the s'more porter and I poured it on draft, it smelled so much like a s'more that it made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Because I, no, no, really, because I, you could it's smell true. the graham cracker, the chocolate, and the marshmallow. And I was so skeptical. This is the first time I tried it. I poured it out of a draft line. I'm like, oh, this is going to be way too sweet. It's going to be bad. And I took a sip, and I noticed that the smell was so much more than the taste than I tasted, and it really was a porter first mm. with these really nice hints of these different s'more mm. elements. And I was completely taken aback, and I had to sort of eat crow on that because I expected mm. it to be terrible, and it was actually really good. It's not my favorite thing. I'm probably not going to crush a whole pile of them, mm. but it was like a nice treat. It would be really I good after say, a meal. Is that one of those that you can drink more than one, really? Mm. Um, different different people's mileage varies. I know uh, some friends, some good friends of the podcast can put down six in a night. Other people, one, like a dessert beer is solid. But because of that, I would be very interested to see and try some of these like Oreo and Frosted Flake. And on your point of a graham cracker IPA, you can taste that graham cracker and that s'more porter. I think that they could probably work out. That makes me think, now that I know that graham cracker is harnessable by beer, that makes me think I gotta go talk to the boys in the lab and be like, look it. Okay. Capital P professional journalist Sam Femilaro is requesting. I'm requesting Golden Graham IPA. That's not bad. Golden Graham IPA or uh, what's the other one? Uh, Crunchberry Pilsner would be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just like the name. <laughs> I do like Crunchberry Pilsner. I'd be all over that actually. Um, guys, I don't really have much. I got deep- myself some Lucky Charms tequila here. Um, oh God. Uh, I I just wanted to. Uh, 
I, I wanted to share with you the moment today when I decided I've done too much research and I need to stop for the show. You guys ready for this? Yeah. All right. I found a news story on the BBC today, and this is the headline. <clears throat> research suggests dogs prefer reggae and soft rock to other genres of music. I mean, I get it. Do, <laughs> do you? 100%. I'm curious. It suits me. It suits 100%. me. 100%. Yeah. Is this, me does out. that not seem... That seems like a no-brainer. It yeah. seems like weird science to be applying... Like, it seems like a weird application of science. I don't know what else we which would kind be of studying right now except for that. <laughs> the, I just don't, I don't know. I, mean, I, I can't think of anything. Well, I mean, shit, the ice caps are fine. Um, <laughs> the the infrastructure is strong. Yeah. And the food true. supply has no susceptibilities, so we yeah. might as well study if dogs listen dogs. to reggae. That's true. No, but that makes sense, because you're talking about, like, um, warm, sort of soft rhythms, mm. warm tones. Uh, it, I, that makes sense to me. I buy it. I love that we're actually talking about this right uh, now. And then Somebody I got, was. <laughs> if they're talking good enough for MIT, it's good enough for me. Uh, and I got... Uh, and I got one more weird story today. I don't have really much backup on this, but I thought it was funny. Uh, kid got arrested and detained by the police for two hours this week uh, because he went into a fast food restaurant, didn't get his McNuggets ordered in a correct fashion, pulled out a bunch of Nerf handguns and fired them off in the store at all the customers <laughs> and all of the staff. I think it's a, I think it's fair. I think it's absolutely I, fair. I, I fully understand why you've <laughs> got to do something about that. I get it. I, I really do. But uh, that's the funniest thing in the world. Uh, I would be dying laughing. Uh, he was detained for two hours by the authorities before he was released. Unfair. Uh, Cruel and unusual part. Uh, the oh. authorities did tell like him. If I, if I pulled some stuff like that and the cops only held me for two hours and didn't charge me, I feel like that was pretty fair. <laughs> this, was, this was a hot burn, though, from, from the cops, though. The cops apparently told him, these toys were manufactured for four to six years old. And that's the level of maturity you presented here Ooh, today. Sick burn. <laughs> Ooh, sick burn. Wow, that actually um, was pretty harsh. So, guys, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I have two uh, two more questions I wanted to get with you today. One is actually a letter from my good friend Anthony in New York. Shout out to Anthony. Thanks. Uh, so is that your boy Fun Connell? Fun Connell. Oh, Check him out. Fun Connell. Uh, Fun Connell hung us out to dry at that Natural Museum of History. Come see your boy. He was a bit hungover. I, think. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, you think so, I wasn't? We walked 90 miles in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Check him out on Twitter at always been silly. Fun Connell, uh, always been silly. Uh, so he was at his girlfriend's house and uh, she freaked out over a clown on TV. Like she was freaked out by clowns, mm -hmm. uh, and he told her that uh, that clowns are dumb. She shouldn't be scared by them. Clowns and she are dumb. She didn't think that that was appropriate. So the question is, what is the dumbest thing that you're afraid of? <laughs> I have so many. The dumbest thing that I'm afraid of. Anything dumbest with thing. wings. Uh, Good rubber call. bands and balloons. Uh, I had a bad experience with a bird once, so I'm actually anything with wings. Anything with wings. What about like a butterflies pizza are the most place. disgusting things on the face of the planet. I'm not even joking. Butterflies? Yeah. From moths. Oh my god. <laughs> Ooh, it was that was a visceral reaction. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't do it. Like, wh why, why do they leave powder everywhere? That's what I want to know. You know how you touch them and there's like shit all over your hands? That's their, their pollen. That's they're... gross. They're... That's gross. They're just, have you seen how big they get? They're uh, like birds. Yeah, Mothra. I understand my moths. But moths don't do any... Moths, unlike a bee, doesn't do... Moths and butterflies don't do anything to you. They would land on your shoulder. Ah, I, no, 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 I, no. They better not even come... No. Kevin, dumbest thing you're afraid of. Oh, man. Um... It's, is it dumb to be afraid of the dentist? Because that's for sure one uh, of them. Absolutely I do not. not mess with the dentist. You come digging not. around in my gums and my teeth. Oh. I would say that you're... You're you are pretty uncomfortable with the teeth and also the eyes thing. We've talked about your eyes before. You don't like someone touching your eyes. It's no, nobody's thing. touching my eyes. You know what's the worst not, when your teeth eyeballs. touch someone else's teeth? 
Yeah. The oh teeth my black. god. Yeah. Oh I'm always afraid god. this is gonna pop right out. Like it feels like you're gonna smash them out very easily. They made like hard <laughs> material. No, yeah, no, that's true though. I don't there's no touching my eyes. I've never put yeah. in eye drops. Um I'm lucky to be yeah. blessed. I've had pretty good vision most of my life. I actually think I need to see an eye doctor. I need like some, <laughs> oh, no, I need no. some, I need like some. Now that I've gotten a little bit older, I do need some situational glasses for like. I read in the dark a ton when I was a kid, like in low mm. light in my bedroom and a lot of stuff like that. But I can't deal with like the people who put in contacts and touch. I can't touch my own eyeball. No I can't chance. put eye drops yeah. in, but no I can put chance. contacts in and put my finger all in there. But oh my god, time, no. put cold eye drops. In my eye, I'll have a panic attack. Also, bats. No bats for me. Oh, see, though, that's the only thing I like. No, but you know what I don't like about bats? Bats are, with, with a bird, you can see which way the bird's flying. You can see what the bird, it, you know, its intentions are, so to speak. A bat, you can barely lay eyes on it. They just, they're too cagey in the air. They go from side to side, every which way. Nobody can tell where they're going to go. And they've got teeth and bite. Absolutely But have you not. ever seen the babies eating the bananas? Yeah, on a video on oh, YouTube. So that's fine. Of course. Yeah, of course, I love all the stuff on videos on YouTube. When there's a bat in my space, nope. Or Batty on Fern Gully. Did you guys ever watch that movie? The cartoon character. Yeah. Again. Fine. <laughs> Who's bats the... in my space. It's so good. Who's no, the go. bat from Eureka's Castle? I have no You're, idea. What oh my god, Eureka's Castle. That's a throwback. Number one, yes, it was Batley. Yeah. Number Batley. two, shout out to Magellan the Dragon. Yo, how about it? Um, number three, Eureka's hair was supremely lit for the early nineties. <laughs> supremely <laughs> lit. Uh, <laughs> she, you remember she had like the nine different ponytails, the yes. pink hair, and yes, all the piercings. Uh, by the way, you Eureka's guys are both Castle, wrong. That's wild. You're both wrong. The answer was horses. Horses is the dumbest thing to be afraid. No, of. it's I'm, not. I'm terrified of horses. So. They're big and strong and they have giant teeth and they smash you with their hooves. Yeah, they're terrifying. That. That's not a dumb thing to be scared of. That's and, perfectly acceptable. And last but not least, this is my... The most interesting story for me as a guy who grew up reading a lot of dystopian fiction, a lot of post-apocalyptic fiction, uh, a lot of dystopian fiction novels have been selling out on Amazon. They've all been shooting up the bestsellers list since the Trump inauguration. This is my favorite story. 1984 <laughs> sold out from Amazon last week, uh, followed quickly by uh, It Couldn't Happen to Us and also The Handmaiden's Tale, also famous dystopian future novels. I never read 1984. That's my big secret. Like, I can't talk about it. Although, I believe that's one of those books you read in school, is it not? Because you're forced to. Uh, some schools. I I ne- I, we to. never did it in 1984 at my school, but I read it separately, mm-hmm. probably because of that. When I say I was forced to read it, I mean I was forced to spark note it the spark night before. It, yes. Yeah. So, that's so, what I did. so that leads me to my final question. What is the best slash worst books you had to read in school? Ooh, I like that. Oh, I had to read Grapes of Wrath, and I know a lot of people like oh, that. Oh, I love Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, it was honestly Grapes the worst book. Wrath so Once much. I realized... Grapes of Wrath is heavy, though. What grade were you in when you had to read that? I was in AP Lit, so... What, but what grade, though, still? Uh, I was, like, a junior in high school. That's that is that's for um, sure an AP The book. moment that I realized that I had just finished a whole chapter based on a turtle... Mm. On the street, I was done. Oh, beautiful stuff. Game Cha- over. The chapters, the chapters where they just sit there. I love when authors have a chapter where they'll go completely sidebar and explain one small thing in detail. And you look at it, and it's like, man, you really just felt like writing a couple pages yeah. about this one thing. And I think it helps with the immersiveness and the world building, the stories. I love when authors do that. If you don't like that, probably don't read American Psycho. I'm Which I gave you like last week to read. It. Are you? Good. Yeah, What's and on? I had the one chapter where you talked about his whole skincare routine. Yeah. And I was really into it, though, because I really care about well, my skincare. But that, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that goes to show the, like, obsessive, yeah, ritualistic that, nature of the character. Super, yeah, it was super I liked Grapes of Wrath a lot. Okay, so that was the one you didn't like. What was one you did like? I liked The Giver a lot. That was, like, a mm. book that really, like, surpassed yeah. all of my creativity when it came to reading. And that was the book that actually made mm. me want to read more. 
I'm 0 for 2 on both of those. I never read either of those books. Really? Yeah. Grapes of Wrath. The only skip that one. Is that John Steinbeck? Grapes yes, I have the Grapes of Wrath. It's, you don't have time for the Grapes of Wrath right now. The only John Steinbeck. Go on vacation for a couple weeks. The only John Steinbeck thing I ever read was The Pearl. Is that we, John Steinbeck? Yeah, I read The Pearl in I like school. The Pearl. No, you never read uh, Of Mice and Men? No, never read that. Uh, that was, see, that was, required. That was summer yeah. reading for my school. No. Yeah. Uh, no, I, not, my worst was certainly Scarlet Letter slash The Crucible. Oh my like, God. I did not care. You know what? I might pick the Scarlet I Letter. Like Said. I liked The Crucible, but we read it in like play form yeah. in the classroom where everybody had like a mm-hmm. role and we read it out yeah. loud as a group, so that was really fun. Um, and my favorite, uh, this is kind of random. I read All Quiet on the Rest- Western Front for a summer reading mm, program, which was, good. I was not really into war novels at that time, and that was a really excellent, excellent war novel. Uh, and then as a short story, uh, this is a random one. Uh, if anyone ever heard this, it's called The Interlopers by Saki. Yo! Yo, inter- I love the interlopers. Interlopers is one of my favorite stories. That's I love ever- that story. Yeah, by Saki. It's Hell a great yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Um. So we had we had tons of summer reading. My my least favorite book I ever had to read in summer reading was a book called Across Five Aprils. Across Five Aprils. It was about like Civil War. I can't remember who wrote it anymore. Uh, it was eighth grade summer reading. It was the only it book. The only book I didn't read when it was assigned because I like to read books. So people are like, oh, summer reading is the worst. I'm like, good. This is great. Um. As far as I would say my favorite, I, I've got to give a little bit of a disqualifier here because my favorite book, one of my favorite novels mm. ever was originally Summer Reading for me, and that was To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, I love the shit out of To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm, we had to read that yeah. going like 10th or 11th grade. Mm-hmm. But so I'm not going to count that because it's sort of moved on past just books I read in school. Mm. Um, an underrated book called The Pig Man. Pig Man, is that... Did you ever um, read The Pig Man? Oh, God, what's that author? You can say any uh, name because I won't remember. I know who you're talking about. He wrote a book called Locke, which is actually an underrated yeah, book Yeah, about the well. two kids who make friends with that like weird, like Pig, isolated, yeah. shuttering yep. old man. Yep. Uh, that book was great. And also, uh, I read like Catcher in the Rye. I think it was like seventh grade. And that was, that was, as, that was as wild as I thought it was going to be, sort of. I appreciated it more when I got older. Mm-hmm. Um, and since you said a short story, I'm going to take one of those. Everybody, it's available for free online. Um, it's not The Egg by Andy Weir, which you should also read, mm. but The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> that sounded so sarcastic. No. The way that you said that, the way that you just looked no, at me made that, that sound like, like you're being brought, such an that just asshole. brought back like, so many memories. The crazy me. thing about The Lottery by Shirley Jackson is short. It's only a couple pages, so you can move through it literally right now. If you've got a minute, jump online. It's available for free online. Um... You'll read the first two pages and not really know what's going mm-hmm. on, not get why it's good. Then when everything starts to come into focus you're on like, like that oh, last page, shit. you're like, oh shit, this is dark. <laughs> yeah. Go read the lottery, but stop listening to the show. Don't listen to the rest of it. Go listen to the lottery by Shirley this Jackson. Is dark. Uh, real quick, Across Five Aprils uh, was a novel by Irene Hunt. Yeah, it was. In 1964, winner of the Newbery Honor. Uh, this is actually considered the first young adult novel. I believe it. That that was the thing when I read it. It was about like the Civil War and like family strife and things like that. But it almost felt like it was both like boring in a historical sense. When I tend to like historical things, mm-hmm. and it also felt very talked down to. I've read some like young adult books. Yeah. I tried to read. I read a couple of Hunger Games books. Not that bad. I read uh, Harry Potter books. Stuff like some yeah. of this stuff that gets so much up on, and it feels like they're talking down to young adults. Yes. And maybe it's because I started reading a lot when I was really young, so I was mm-hmm. always a little bit above my age level in reading. But when I read a lot of that stuff, that was one of my problems with the Cross Five Aprils. It feels a little bit watered down, a little bit too pandering, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, that's it. That's all we got. We went long today. We went short last week and long today. Lots of lots of topics. Mara, well, it's always a pleasure to have you in the studio. I like seeing you. We're shaking hands. We're shaking hands Why now. Are you shaking hand hands? bros. So weird. Uh, <laughs> follow Mara on Twitter. Don't touch me. Uh, <laughs> Mara Olivia with two A's. 
Uh, follow Kevin on Twitter, but don't touch him at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Claudia Tenney, tweet me. Oh, yeah, please. She doesn't want that. Uh, <laughs> she wants to talk to me, SF Doom, on Twitter about soccer, because that's easy. Uh, oh follow Uticast on Twitter. Go on Facebook. Give us a like if you don't mind. Send us a mailbag question, Uticast.com. Uh, new episodes every Tuesday. Uh, that's it, man. We will catch you next week for episode 85. Yo, also, if you know somebody who you think might be an interesting guest on the podcast and you think somebody would be a cool interview or somebody you think we should try to interview or if you think you yourself would be a very interesting interview, send us an email or get a hold of us. Hey. It'd be interesting to see what the people have to say and think about it. And yeah. maybe they've got some connections that we don't have and know people we don't know. Connections. Good idea. All right, folks, we'll catch you next week. Always a pleasure. <laughs>